So hello and welcome to the latest episode of Design Truth. Uh, my name's Brad. Uh, me and my design mate Drew catch up with the different lived experiences and perspectives within industrial design. And then unfortunately we hit record. And um, today we're joined by Kevin Quigley, believe it or not, from Quigley Design <laughs> to give insight into uh, 30 years working and owning a, a small micro product design agency and sharing a few funny stories along the way and before kevin does introduce himself i'm a bit of a stickler for making the sponsors happy so it's great that this episode's sponsored by geomic geomic that's g-e-o-m-i-q it's an online manufacturing platform that the world's leading engineering teams use to get quotes and place orders for both prototyping or production parts if you visit the website that's geomic.com so g-e-o-m-i-q you can upload your file for £50 off your first order of CNC, injection moulding, sheet metal and 3D printed parts. And if you use the code TRUTH50, um, when you get to the um, kind of checkout, you'll be able to get that discount. All the info that you need will be in the description. Of course, if you've got any questions, just track us down on the socials or hello at designtruth. UK. Forgot to click the button as usual. You know, I do that every single time I join a Zoom meeting. Yeah. I'm always like, um, how do I, um, how do I share a screen on here? Like, oh, yeah. even yeah, when no, I know no. how to do it, I'm always like, how do I? And it's like, I've been doing this for two years now. Yeah. Do you know what? I've had two interviews um, during pandemic times where whatever I was using Teams just wouldn't share. I'm using Teams on a Mac, so all yeah. right, I may as well just shoot myself in the foot. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it just it's, it won't bring up the, the little tray at the bottom you know, i've spent ages on a presentation that you're asking to make can i can i email this to you should we just like make small talk yeah, yeah, for 10 yeah. minutes while this enormous file transfers through yeah. yeah so we can all still keep making those same fuck ups i think absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how are things anyway kevin are you, you oh. all good in your world Steaming hot today. Yeah. Uh, Sunny Shrewsbury. I have got air conditioning, but I just haven't let it switched on for some <laughs> reason. I'm like sweating drips here, you know, but you shouldn't be able to smell me from there, so that should be okay. Uh, good stuff. It's hard to smell past my own funk right now. <laughs> yeah, I had this um, wasp thing that was flying around. I was like, "This is. I need to get rid of this thing before I start recording, otherwise yeah. the whole edit is just going to be trying to get rid of a wasp. So... Uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, in, ter- in terms of um, the podcast and stuff, you know probably more about it than what we do, Kevin, because you've listened to a few of them. So um... I, think, I think I've actually listened to almost all of them, if not all of them. I've, I've even listened to the one that you had to take off. Oh. Because I got the email saying, listen, and, I, and I, I was actually home isolating at the time. So okay. I thought, well, I'll listen to that while I'm, I'm doing bugger all else, you know. Well, what did you make of that one? To so the ones that haven't had a chance of listening to it because of I Apple. It was, really was, was it all right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. It's just a pity <laughs> you couldn't share it with everybody else, you yeah. know. No, I, I think there's only about 80 people that listened to it or something like that. And yeah. we had to very quickly take it off. It is a shame because it was a really good episode and I really enjoyed talking to. I, won't, I just won't lose any days at all. But I enjoyed yeah. talking to him. Yeah. And you know, largely around his experiences uh, around that company that um, saw the yeah. No, it wasn't them, was it? It was yeah. the one in the middle. In terms of um, the podcast, Kevin, as you know, we like to um, someone to, you know, to they introduce themselves. Um, but you're quite active on social media and stuff. So yeah. people might know a little bit about 
Kevin Quigley, but for the people that for the people that don't, you know, I'll try give, and explain who I am. Then give, it, give us give us the rundown. Give you a rundown. Well, it's a long rundown, but I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, I'm Kevin Quigley. I run a small product design agency in Shrewsbury called Quigley Design. Believe it or not, um, there's three of us. Um, uh, I started by doing a mechanical engineering degree at Strathclyde University back in the eighties. And then I worked for a year and then I joined the Royal College of Art doing industrial design engineering back in the days when you didn't have to pay for your education. But that's another <laughs> story. Um, and I worked for a little startup company after that called Priestman Good for about I don't never, know, heard, never heard of them. <laughs> months or something like that. Something like that. Uh, and of course, at that time, I was—I'd been in London for about three years or something, and I, I just couldn't afford to buy anywhere or do anything. And um, my girlfriend at the time had actually moved back up to Shropshire, um, so I thought, well, I'll come up there and start a business up here. How hard can it be, you know? So I left the, the glittering lights of London and. Paul Priestman and Nigel Good <laughs> before they were famous um, and uh, started my own little business up here and uh, the rest of the say is history or not as a case maybe but uh, um, yeah it's been a, so we do all sorts of stuff for all sorts of people you know um, uh, I, had a, I had a phase of working almost in-house in the late 90s to early noughties um, in Newtown in Mid Wales of all things had a customer over there who had extended their factory and uh, they're offering you free office space I said well why not I'll take that uh, and uh, moved in there full time uh, of course I'm, I was only contracted a couple of days a week there but you know you end up getting involved with all the politics and stuff so after a few years of that I moved out into my own place in Shrewsbury and uh, you know just sort of expanded it from there but uh yeah it's 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 been an interesting ride that's for sure over the last yeah, I, yeah it was actually 30 years in business last june you know so june 2020 was uh big party meant to be the big party yeah, yeah. but it was kind of uh not a big party for no. obvious reasons you know yeah. although i could i could go and get a coffee that day because that was the day that they opened up again for coffee shops wasn't <laughs> oh, it right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about you talk about strange projects though you sent me a message earlier that said yeah. you could write a book about strange oh, projects yeah, yeah. so i just want to get this out of the way pet coffins yeah, yeah well there's a, there's a story to this you see i had a i had a customer <laughs> called uh, i'm not going to tell you who they are but <laughs> I, I, I had a customer who had a certain manufacturing process which was very niche and specialised and what they wanted to do was expand into other areas, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we had a, a meeting one day down at their place and uh, we said, what can we do? And we just sort of fired ideas around and we are coming up with all sorts of things. It had to be something which was relatively big, relatively expensive and rel- and made of aluminium. That was the, that was the you know, you know the sort of main parameters of it. So we came up with all sorts of ideas, and we ended up with uh, pet coffins <laughs> because we figured that you know we're, we're looking at these things in America because the company's actually got a, a branch in America as well. So we were thinking, well, the Americans are a bit weird like that, so they'll probably <laughs> go for it. You know, they'll probably go for having a, a an aluminium pet coffin because they like their big sort of metal coffins, don't they, over there? So. Um, we thought well, we'll give it a whirl, so we, we did a few concepts and things like that. We didn't, nothing ever came of it, but it was just yeah. one of those weird jobs that 
you know you, you get involved with you know so it's in, in terms of like pet coffins and you say it's a bit of a strange project but does that give like a slight insight in terms of a small kind of micro agency in terms of the type of stuff that can possibly land upon your desk at any point or another well yeah i mean most of our well i mean pretty much all of our businesses is for smes or micro businesses or single inventors or that kind of thing so we get involved with all sorts of weird and wonderful projects, you know, uh, which is great. You know, that's part of the, the joy of the job as far as I'm concerned. You know, I mean, I've done those sort of jobs where you work in a factory or you work in an office and you do one thing and it is really, really tedious. And funnily enough, I think this is one of the, the reasons why for the SME sector in particular, um, who, you know, like you, you may have a small manufacturing company or a small company who's a distributor of a product who come up with a product idea and they want to do their own thing and get a product made and they think about oh well we'll we'll you know we'll take somebody on and actually do it in-house which is what a lot of them do uh, and then what actually happens then is they take them on in-house and they're the only person there who's doing that job and so they're doing the same thing day in day out day in day out and I think in a lot of those sort of companies they 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 don't necessarily get the best use out of the people um, because because they're doing the same job over and over again. And I think that, you know, for certain sorts of people, that's fine. But for a lot of designers or sort of design graduates, that's not what they want to do. You know, mm. they, want, they want the variation. So, I mean, what I always say to our customers is, well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help you recruit and take people on and do all that sort of stuff. That's fine. And, and that that's part of you know, that's part of the thing. Our aim is to help companies grow so that they can get to the stage where they need to take people on. Mm. You know, and, th- and that has been the case with many, many customers over the years, which is great, you know. Not so great for us because we end up not getting so much work, but, yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's life, you know. I mean, that's yeah. that's the way it is. But I would rather have that relationship with them so that a few years down the line, if they, if they come back to us and say, you know, can you just do this job for us, you know. And that, mm. that usually happens. Um, but... I mean, what tends to happen is you, you know, we've we've had situations, especially in the last couple of years, actually, to be honest with you, where customers have taken somebody on and then they've we've helped them out, you know, to get them started and things have started to transition away. And then that person decides it's not for them and they up and leave. So the customer's back to square one again. Yeah. You know, so it kind of reinforces the benefit of the micro small agency, I think, yeah. to, to that market. You know, or even the even the freelancer. You know, I mean, it's 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 the same sort of thing. Uh, whereas the big agencies are, they're like big sort of uh, um, machines which have to be fed. Mm. I mean, we're pretty small and pretty lean. We can survive on relatively small turnover compared to these guys. You know, I mean, I mean, our turnover probably doesn't exceed probably what the I don't know what the coffee bill is in some of these big yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd also add, um, in terms of like the benefit of having a, like for the SME's point of view, um, so in my recent uh, history, I was hired as a head of product development for a company that had one product, right? Yeah. They still have that same product. And then it dawned on them after not very long that, you know, we're, we're paying quite a decent amount of, of salary here and we've got nothing for him. Yeah, if they'd have gone with uh, you know a small agency such as uh, such as yours or a freelancer or something like that, or even if I'd have taken that role on myself in that capacity, 
yeah then when the works when the works there you can dive into it you can have yeah. you can still have a you know a, a broader view and have other interests but bring that to the table but yeah you end up doing things that uh, as the in-house person who takes on that role as you say you end up doing things that are not really what you're there for you're not really offering the value that you ought to yeah um, and you know you know you're kind of like kicking your heels a little bit I mean, I, th- I think it suits a lot of people. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, when I was based over in Newtown in Mid Wales, that was kind of the role I was involved with because they, they didn't really have any in-house design staff at all. I was it. They had a guy down in Southampton, but he was sort of more a manager as well of other stuff. And uh, so I was I was sort of dealing with the tool room up in Newtown, and you know, you know, the MDA, the company was, you know, he was a he was a toolmaker by trade as well, so he knew his stuff too. So the two of us worked very closely together mm-hmm. on a lot of things. And I mean, I quite enjoy that whole sort of business background stuff. I, I've, I've always been, you know, focused along those sort of lines. I mean, for me, for me, design isn't just about creating pretty pictures and, you know, nice pieces of art and all the rest of it. It's more, you you know, you've got to come back to the human basis of it is that it's, we're there to make people money. That's that's the way I approach the business anyway. I say, you know, I'm not here to, I mean, obviously I'm here to make myself money as well, but that's that's business. But ultimately our purpose is to make our customers money. And if we're not I, think, I don't that, think I've ever seen that on a, you know, like the agency's website. It's yeah, always like, yeah. so it's to change people's lives or it's actually, <laughs> no, it's, it's bollocks, not, it's bollocks. It's absolute bollocks because yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, you know, it's like all these sort of, mission statements for this, that, and the other thing you get in some of these bigger agencies and, you know, branding agencies and all the rest of it. I, mean, I, I know a lot of people, in the, you know, in the business. I know quite a lot of them. And, you know, I've got a lot of respect for a lot of them. But and they kind of have to toe that line to get the corporate business because that's the way the corporates work. Mm. Yeah. We're, we're not in that when you come across that sort of plain speaking person or company or representative that kind of, yeah, that, Okay, we acknowledge we, you know, we, yeah, of course, ultimately, if we do a good job, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna change people's lives for the better. That's the whole point of absolutely working hard at the user centered stuff and at the empathy stuff, of course. But as you say, you know, there's, there's no point in taking a project on if it's not gonna make money for the client and, and then in turn you and then hopefully a future project. Yeah, and I think, I think with when, when, when you're actually working with the smaller companies as well, there's a lot of education involved. And I think when, I mean, I've, I've got customers who we were working with already who decided to go out to the, the wider market and they approached some of these big agencies to do the work, unbeknownst to us, which was a bit of a surprise at the time. I must have been when I found out about it. But, uh, but that was, I saw that as being my fault because I wasn't telling them the, the, our true capability they were really treating us just as a sort of a an odd job sort of thing yeah. or producing visuals and that sort of thing was we i mean what we're really good at i think is, is doing the whole project from start to finish getting involved in everything right through to you know the end result and selling it and all sorts of things which i think if you if, if you work with a lot of small companies as a small agency as well you do get involved with that you you can carry a project all the way through and you can get involved with actually selling it to their customers as well. Mm. I mean, I've sat in on so many meetings over the years where, you know, we've actually gone along as part of our, we're, we're pretending to work for the customer. 
And that's kind of the reason why we've always kind of flown a little bit under the radar, as do a lot of small guys as well, because yeah. we, because they, well, we tend to work with fewer, fewer customers overall, but also our customers like to pretend that we work for them when they're approaching the bigger agencies. Yeah. So everybody's always trying to pretend to be bigger than they are. <laughs> that that includes the you know you know the customers as well, especially I mean like that that company that I was telling you about with with the pet coffins. I mean when I first started working with them, they were really specialists doing aerospace parts and all sorts of things, and the the uh, they had a turnover of about I don't know a couple of million something like that, which was still pretty big for us, you know. Yeah. Uh, now. You know, 20 odd years on, 25 years on, they've got a turnover of 30, 40 million. They're making parts for Lamborghini, Ferrari, McLaren, Rolls Royce, um, all sorts of things in all sorts of industries. You know, most of the trains that you see on the roads, I've got their things, you know, the underground trains have all got parts on them. Mm. So things like that. And we were we were part of that story behind the scenes, not necessarily doing the the you know the design work, but it was there was a lot of sort of business support and just trying mm. to help them along the way, you know. Mm. But yeah. I think I think that's the important thing with small companies is, is that, you know, you do get the opportunity to do much, much more and, and impact much, much more yeah. on, on the, you know, the outcomes. Whereas a big company, I mean, I first job I ever had was with IBM up in Greenock, where, you know, where I come from, which was a, they they make the you know the IBM PC up there. That's that was a big manufacturer. And this this is a manufacturing plant which is like a mile long, literally a mile long. And it was great because I was working in one end of it and the canteen was at the other end of it. And what we used to do was we used to go, oh, let's just go for a little walk. So we walk from one end to the other, you know, for a for a sort of 10 minute coffee break and then walk back again. So you, you kill an hour doing that. <laughs> Tedious, boring job I ever did in my entire yeah. life. Yeah. You know, so I thought this is not what I want to do. And yet you had all these guys there who were lifers, you know, mm-hmm. and they had great salaries, they had great pensions, they had great this, great that. And, you know, that's fine if that, that suits people doing that, but it didn't suit me at all. I, I just, not, I was bored out my brain, yeah. you know. It's, it's funny when you talk about um, companies that, that come across as bigger than what they are, because I had a bit of a case the other day when I was... Um, was it a family party or something? It was like some sort of dinner. And um, basically that means that people now start asking me about the job that I do. Yeah. And I hate explaining it to people oh, that have never done it, <laughs> particularly like recruitment. And uh, you've got a podcast. It's like you've got a map. And honestly, there's it's, it's no point even trying to explain it. But I'll say something like, oh, we did this. or the, And I have to go, it's the royal we, by the way. It's not yeah. like this team of like people yeah that's like yeah. you do fall into that. you fall into this trap of yeah we've got this thing going on you know it's like but actually it's just just me and me and a laptop sometimes you know it's 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 funny how we just fall into this trap of making ourselves sound bigger than actually what we but really everybody really does it and you yeah. know i think i think it, it, there's no harm in doing that i mean when i was a one-man band that I, I used to do it you know we because you know you would occasionally bring in other people yeah. so it was and and that's the way you know I always tended to look at it was the fact that it's a team effort to get a product. I mean, this this whole idea of the, the great creator, the great designer who sits down and thinks things out, <laughs> creates the great work of art and you know produces it all. It's absolute rubbish. I mean, it's like you know, getting when you, when you're bringing a product from creation to selling it, you know, and after sales support, 
it's like it's like a massive team effort, you know. And it, you you've got to be. And a lot of designers are very very arrogant, I think, with their what they perceive to be the influence that they actually have. Mm-hmm. You know, you're only as good as the products. Sorry, you know, you're only good as as the projects that you're actually given to do. Mm. I mean, it's like everybody says, you know, Jonathan I, the greatest designer ever. I'm sure he's a great designer. I'm sure he's a really good designer. But, you know, his boss used to teach me at the Royal College of Art, you know. So, I, you know, and when he was working for him there, and, uh, you know, I went to the RCA with people who were, um, you know, I, 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 th- I think he was a wee bit after that, actually, thinking about it. But, um would, they, they would, Pep, would, uh, would Pep Guardiola be able to get Shrewsbury going into the Premier League? Is that, is that what you're trying to allude to? <laughs> so I really couldn't care less, to be honest with you. Is the point that um, like you're not sort of either born into success or doomed like right from the start? There's no, no. sort of uh, genetic predisposition for no. a good designer. I mean, there's a few things that help aside from the skills like I mean, let's be fair, that competitive upselling vocalizing that, that a lot of the um the anyone that you've heard of, right? They've probably yeah. talked about themselves more than anyone else has talked about them. Yeah. Um and uh, yeah, I think that, that probably uh suits some characters, but not all. Yeah. I mean, when I started the business, I was not anything like I am now. I was a completely different, I didn't have the confidence I've got now. Because the confidence comes with, you know, life experience for me. Yeah. But for me, it was having my kids, to be honest with you. That was the thing that, because you kind of, you have this little sort of, you know, when I was 20, I can't remember having my first kid, 27, 28, something like that. And uh, um, I can remember sitting in the hospital, this little tiny little baby thinking, oh, yeah. I've got to look after this now. This is, this is my kid, you know. Mm. I, I'm I'm the responsible adult now. You know? There's no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no get-out-of-jail card here, you know. And after that, I thought, well, I've got to, I've got to really up the game a little bit here, you know. Uh, and so, I was kind of uh, that was the, that was kind of the confidence boost for me to to try to, you know. And I became much more outspoken at that point as well, uh, because up to that point, I was kind of. I mean, I have to be honest. When I left the Royal College of Art, I was going to jack it in as a designer. Mm. I didn't have the confidence. I thought I was. Mm. I, you know, the RCA is one of those places that suit some people but not others and I was a little Scottish guy from Greenock you know and I'd uh, come from the sticks and gone to the big bad city and yeah mix, mix them with all these uh you know very well-to-do sort of posh folks and the RCA <laughs> you know that sounds like it sounds 100% familiar to me um I've said before on the on the podcast that I'm you know from the arsehole end of nowhere um you know forgotten forgotten yeah. towns and then going to you know like hundreds of miles away, and people had people pronounced words totally differently to me. People they found an R in in glass, um, and it, it was it's just weird. Um, and yeah, the the question I want to ask is what? Okay, so you've talked about um, confidence, self confidence, and then that building up with being able to objectively look at achievements. But what's just what would you say your self esteem? was like how would you characterize that because you come across as someone you know perfectly centered and calm and collected in yourself um how, what what's what's that like for you self i mean that's a that's a tricky question i mean uh, um i think in order to to do the job and to run a business and to function the way you should function running a business uh 
you've got to have a little bit of self-esteem. You, you know, you, you know, you have to be, you know, you've got to be positive about stuff all the time. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't go into this business negative. You know, it's not, it's not a negative job. You know, it's got to be something where you're always looking for an outcome, trying mm-hmm. to solve a problem. You know, and I think, I think that the 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 what I try to instill with anybody who works for me or anybody who I'm sort of helping out. Um, which is something I've, I've done quite a bit the last couple of years is is, uh, um, is to ignore the the lack of confidence thing because there's lots of ways of getting around that you know I mean I, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you I, I don't I'm not, I know this is going to be published worldwide you know well it'll be famous and all this but I, I we do I, send we do send it to you before Kevin because you might like this back right. and go that's right, yeah. I mean I'm I, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of you know I've kind of got to the stage in my life now where you know I am what I am you know and uh, I don't really you know I'm I'm a kind of you know like you know like an open boot I suppose you know for, for people to take it or leave it <laughs> what when I was younger I had a really bad stammer. You know, like really bad. You know, to the extent of, uh, I can remember one time, um, my dad said to me, um, um, "Can you just phone up so and so and ask him to do this and pick the things up?" You know, this was this was when I was a little bit seventeen or eighteen, something like that. And I actually walked from one end of town to the other to ask him in person rather than use the phone. Mm. And that was like two miles each way. Mm. <laughs> you know? And that's yeah. the kind of and yeah. and I went to university through that. And I went to Royal College of Art through that. In fact, w- w- when I did my final presentation at the Royal College of Art, I had to get somebody else to read it out, you know, and I, which I will be forever grateful for Duncan for that, you know, because, you know, that was something that, uh, uh, you know, I landed on at the last moment because I was such a twit, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, but, but that's the kind of thing that, and of course, when the kids came along, I kind of had to, not grow out of it, but become more confident and actually do that. So mm. I managed to get, you know, it still happens, you know, of course it still happens, but um, you have to, uh, you know, you've got to battle through all these things. And I think, I think to some extent this last 12 months, 18 months has been quite not good for me because it really hasn't been good in, on a personal level, but uh, it's been positive in the sense that um, this whole opening up of access to people and mm. sharing and mm. mentoring and all that sort of thing has actually uh, enabled a lot of people to become more visible. I mean, I've always been quite visible on certain social media and things like that, but I think this last year has been sort of exaggerated that a little bit, you know. Or, yeah, or, you know. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm just, just, I'm, I'm sorry if the way I asked the question was, Clumsy and insensitive, but that's again, I'm an open book, and that's what you get from me. I'm yeah. clumsy well, absolutely, yeah, you gotta be. But it just the things you're talking about really sounded familiar, really resonated, and you know, it's it's work that certainly, again, as you say, since having uh, my first daughter, I'm going, holy shit, you're going to need feeding soon, and yeah. I've got to pay for it. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. bollocks, uh, that changes everything. Um, yeah, it's suddenly, I think. The thing that I found was like, you, I feel like my view of myself zoomed out, and yeah. rather than the nitpicking and the doubts and the, and not necessarily ignoring the doubts, but just going, okay, you can have your five minutes, but then I've got to go and do this no matter what. You know, it's it puts things into a different balance. I think, um, it gives some things more value and some things less value, and I think, um, 
yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's just a sort of slightly zoomed out view of yourself and of the rest of the world. And um, yeah, was, you, you talked about things that were specific milestones in my yeah, own and, and journey think, to a bit of an improved self-esteem as well. I, I think there's an awful lot of people out there who are like that as well. I mean, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people in 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 the actual design industry as well who are just like that too. But mm-hmm. the the people who rise to the top of the design industry, they're not always the cream. You know, we all know what that means. Well, yeah, but okay, let's, let's take it to something that's that's relevant now as well. And that, I mean, again, not well, none of us are technically qualified to talk about this, gender uh, balance uh, in the industry. Yeah. And how some of those characteristics that you're raised as a, as a boy to be pushy and to join in team sports where you're going to get the shit beaten out of you, if you're not good at it, um, you know, like if you if you give away a goal uh, after school, yeah. you're going to get beaten up. Um, so you you uh, you are uh, programmed to to have that certain mentality. I'm not and again. I'm only gonna I'm gonna stop that characterization there because I have never lived uh, a, a female experience, so it's yeah. not for me to say. But I do think that that it's in, it's got to be in some way related. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think, you know, the design industry as a whole is. Um, I mean, I'm a white male of a certain age, you know. I I can't help that, but you know, I can be, I can have empathy, mm. you know, and that's that's part of the characteristic of of doing the job. Mm. But there's a hell of a lot of people my age who don't have empathy, who have this attitude that oh, I got to where I am through my own you know efforts and all the rest of it and no it's not the case at all you know what the, the way you succeed in business is you, you either um you either come up with a great idea and you go hell for leather at it and you and you you do your own thing and, you, and, and all the rest of it but most people who are successful in business or any any aspect of life just happen to be in the right place at the right time with the right opportunity mm-hmm. and f- fair enough you know the it's just that to grab it. Do that opportunity, yeah, yeah. yeah. You still have to grab it and actually, you know, do it. But mm-hmm. you still have to be in the position, you know, so that you're there, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get in that position to start with, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. It, like, uh, sorry, Joe. I was just going to say because I know you've got two young girls, Drew. But as like having having daughters changed your outlook on on this kind of topic, or. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'd like got... to say no. I was born with a sophisticated palate of empathy, <laughs> and, and of yeah, course, and so and reality is, um, yeah, it will have because, as we said, once you have someone else that is utterly vulnerable and dependent on yourself, then yeah, you naturally you, you include that person in your view of yourself and you can mm. see their behaviours reflected in yours. That can be wonderful and uh, it can be terrifying. And it, if you if you wanted to, it can give you an opportunity to reflect on some of the work you need to do on yourself, right? Some of the things that, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing over there. Like there's going to be cultures around the world that I have no idea of. Um, one of those cultures and one of those experiences was that of... Uh, of, of yeah, what my what my daughter's life would be like, and certain things, the way that um, I don't know, like little nuances, little bits and pieces here every you know every day. You go well, that's different. You're talking to me instead of her, 
or you're talking to her using these set of words and you're talking to like the a little boy in the class with these set of words and the things like what do you want to be when you grow up suddenly you go actually do you know what I don't want to be one thing I want I want Poppy or Zinnia to be lots of lots of different things and yeah. even when you've been asked these things about yourself you go oh I don't know like a fireman or a lion tape or whatever can't I be whatever I feel like on that day yeah um yeah it's again it's just a total perspective shift I think it of course yeah. does but only because but I think largely I probably I could only guess at what that difference would have been like if I'd have had uh, uh, a two boy boys for, yeah yeah or entirely boys, I probably would have projected onto them the way that my did my dad did onto me and wanted them to be rugby players and good at football when he wasn't. And I probably would have made them go to boxing when he didn't. And he wanted me to go and do all those kind of things because otherwise, uh, I don't want to sell him up the river here. You know, he'd be he'd question my masculinity and and yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think I think you're right. I mean, I mean I've got two girls and a boy, and. Uh, I can I can always remember the first holiday we went on with my first daughter was to Mallorca and it was a package holiday and I never I don't think I'd never been on a package holiday before at that point so I was like you know and it was like the, the end of my wife's pregnancy leave you know and uh, she was going back to work and so we, we thought we'd have a couple of weeks away you know so we took our little six month old daughter to Mallorca I can remember sitting on the plane so there was you know, me and, you know, my daughter, you know, sitting on my lap. And I was sitting next to this this guy who was about, I don't know, mid-60s or something. And he had a house out in Mallorca. And I was talking to him and he was chatting. And he says, and what do you want to be when you grow up then, little girl? Do you want to be an air stewardess? And I, I just turned around to him and said, no, she, no, she wants to be the pilot. <laughs> and he, did, he, didn't yeah. he didn't get it. But the funny thing was... That when when the announcement came on the plane, the co-pilot was a woman, <laughs> you know, and so he was. It was kind of it was kind of a bit like that. It was, and, and the guy the guy who was serving us on the plane was a bloke. So it was like you know, it was. I, th- I think there's still that underlying attitude with a lot of, um, a lot of industry and a lot of the design industry, particularly because things are designed for blokes. Mm. <laughs> you know, we design them and they're designed for blokes. And it's like, you know, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I used to do like a lot of work in the safety industry, which is, you know, predominantly a male orientated, you know, you know, and it's, it's, it's all about, you know, guys and construction and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, everything, I, I, I think, I don't remember honestly actually designing anything specifically for females mm. it was all blokes you know and yeah, yeah that wasn't that long ago you know yeah do you think I, things are, do you think things are changing uh i think i think i think they are in certain sectors yeah yeah um but i mean we do quite a bit of medical product work um and i've, I've been in conversations relatively recently where um you know, we, you know, we're talking about things like this, and the practitioners are saying, "Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way." You know, and I'm thinking, but these are the guys who are actually doing the procedures, and that's part of the trouble with medical. I mean, you know, like you've done some, you know, things like that, and it's 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 about um, the when you're designing some medical products. You know, you're supposed to take into consideration, you know, what the doctors want and all this sort of thing. But the reality is that. A lot of the time, the doctors aren't the ones actually doing the procedures. 
it's it's the nurses yeah. or the you know the uh, auxiliaries and things like that, yeah. and uh, or even sort of GPs and things, you know, uh, and a lot of the time they don't think about the things that are going to go wrong. They do it their way. So when you do that, a clinical trial, you know, the failure rate of a clinical trial can be absolutely through the roof because of who's actually doing the trial, and because they. They, they just ignore all the instructions you give them, you know? Mm. And I, I've seen this time and time again, and it's 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 one of those things which you have to battle with all the time. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's a real challenge to, um, you know, the whole gender thing and other, you know, you know, the whole disability thing as well, age, all these things. I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a huge believer if you're designing a product. The best products are the ones which my 80-year-old mom can pick up, know how to use, and, you know, a, a 10-year-old could use as well, you know? Yeah, it goes back to, um, I think, probably when I was in uni, being uh, being told that the right product, you'll look at it and you'll know. It'll tell you in its form and in its finish and things like this which bit does what and how you use it and in what order. Now that sounds glib. Yeah, you know you can take good and bad examples from around that, from around the home, even. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I think I think that can apply to certain categories of product, but I think that a lot of technology products, you know, because you're you're working with a screen, you know, it's more about the interface and things like that. And it's like, I yeah. mean, I think I think the trouble with a lot of the older generation is that, um, you know. They and I'm talking about 80 year olds and you know that sort of age, is that some of them are really into technology and they they know it all and they do it all, but other ones are completely scared of it. Yeah, you know, and they don't want to use it. But I mean, I think I think this past 18 months has made a lot of people do it because mm. they've had to. I Otherwise, think even even parents at my age, uh, 58, 57, yeah. something like that. They're pretty afraid of using technology. Like yeah. even at that age group, you can just little things like, um, I'll oh, just send it to me on a text, mum, or something like that. And yeah. it's like, oh, you know, how do I do that? And where who's yeah. it going to? And uh yeah, so it's um I'm totally with you on that because I have to go yeah, through things a lot of the time. My mum's the same, and it's largely because of the way that she speaks about herself is in um, you know unconfident ways yeah oh i don't know i've not been shown that like well you probably can figure it out by my having a good look in the rubbish and but she she just won't try yeah and i think i think all this comes back to the old sort of gender stereotyping again Mm. because a lot of people of certain age my generation certainly when a a woman would try and do something the bloke would come in and take over and say oh Yeah, yeah it's like bloody women driver sort of thing you know can't do anything ha 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 and it's like i think that that stops people from experimenting now funnily enough i'm not james dyson's biggest fan as you will know uh i know i know you're going to show me here <laughs> but we are giving away two copies of james dyson's book currently yeah he's mentioned he's mentioned 5127 prototypes three times in the first four sentences but yeah well i listened i listened to a podcast the other day which uh, uh a friend of mine he called you know mark sanders who was was a tutor at the rca and he's a he, you know he's a good guy and he he you know he told me to listen to it and i did um yeah it was about he was 
he was talking about the uh, one of the products that they'd done, which I can't remember which one it was. And he, you know, he was he was he was basically saying that same thing where he, he, you know you've got to think across all the different people who you know who are actually going to use it, and you know having the confidence to actually use it and try things out. And I think that that's that's maybe that's maybe you know one of the issues that you know many people don't do is that they see a product and they think, well, well I, I you know I don't know I don't know what to do with that. You know, and I'm just not going to try it. And I have to be honest, that transcends, you know, physical and digital, mm. because I see it all the time with with people who I've employed. You know, where you know I, I say to them, you just 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 try it, and you know they'll be sitting there staring at the screen for half an hour, and, I'll, and, I, and so I'll I'll turn around from what I'm doing and say, why are you why are you staring at the screen? I don't know what to do. So why can't you just ask? You know, and it's like that—that that whole skill of being able to say, "What do I do?" Mm. Yeah, you know, and then there's a skill on the person who, who is helping them out to say, "Just try it, just do this," without being condescending about it. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that is—that's I think I think that's part of the issue is that people don't like to ask because they're going to get made to feel like a fool. Mm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, it's something that comes up with, you know, dealing with, as you say, other people in the team, specifically, um, that's like really often juniors, but things that you pick up by encouraging children to do things, it's the same it's the same conversation. It's, you know, uh, oh, I don't know, pick any great masterwork. I bet there were 60 failures before that was the finished one. I bet there's probably 5,126 failed prototypes. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I have <laughs> So um, my eldest daughter is just just now, like this week, last couple of days, riding her bike. Yeah. Um, and the only reason she hasn't before that is because she keeps saying, well, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. Yeah. And you kind of, you know, you're coaching her through it. You get into the bit and then she'll just realize that I don't know how to do this. I don't feel like I can do it and stops. And other times, you know, she'll be drawing or something like that. As you say, she'll just be sat, not doing anything. You know, how you getting on, mate? I don't know what to do. So just start moving your hand about. Yeah. So literally start doing something, and that's ninety percent of the work. Yeah, and I think I think I think I think actually part of the issue these days is is you know I'm going to sound like an old fart here, but you know it, it's it's because there's so many distractions now. You know, right, yeah, yeah. I'm locked in this room. And I've got radio, Mac, yeah. my work computer, a load of blue foam outside and I, I might get 20 percent of a, of a working day actually done. yeah yeah shouldn't have said that can we edit that out <laughs> aren't you on a long-term contract that's before you get onto instagram reddit as, as, as long as you're only charging for the 20 percent, but you'll be all right you know yeah. <laughs> it just just whilst we're on the um topic of the kind of the gender disparity within in particularly within industrial design yeah. um i drew we've got something kind of not lined up officially, but with, with there's something that's coming up where rather than you having to listen works, yeah. to three white guys talking about it for forty, yeah, we've got you know. yeah, that's it's worth saying actually, yeah, because <laughs> again, just just cutting ourselves short on it that we can only really talk about our own experiences, and yeah. that's what the whole podcast is for, which is why we've got something that works um, to have more uh, more guests on that are women working in the industry. Yep. And we are at least doing at least one episode where Brad and I might just say, 
this is a bit of a different intro. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just you, you, we might not, we, yeah, we might we might, might not, not even, even we might not even be on it, and it's like use the platform, talk about yeah. it, show rather than. Uh, the only yeah. reason to to do that would just be to like to do an intro would just be in case someone's listening and hasn't like read the whole intro on the yeah, description yeah. and just goes oh my god I'm on the wrong thing yeah Brad's it's different just to go this is you're listening to design truth but that's all you're going to hear from us I I think I think that's a really good thing I mean look one of the highlights of the last sort of twelve months eighteen months for me was actually getting involved with a lot of people who I'd known about on the periphery for a long time but never actually met mm. because because nobody was doing video conferencing up till you know two years ago uh and you know they were based in northern ireland and uh, you know i know quite a lot of people over there and uh uh and that's of ireland as well and i had i was i was sort of asked to sort of join this sort of group that they had which was sort of a sort of uh, just a sort of an ideas group if you like and it was run by uh, Fiona um, and she you know she's a fantastic designer you know really really great designer and uh, it, there's all sorts of people over there who, who do all sorts of really interesting things and you know had all this not happened I would have probably never had that opportunity and I think that that I'm, I'm what I'm hoping what I'm really hoping out of all this chaos that's happened over the last couple of years is that we can move forward as an industry to actually um talk up more and <laughs> up more and mm-hmm. give access to people who just wouldn't have the access before because of where they're actually physically located or or maybe because you know they weren't particularly confident because it's like yeah there's conferences and stuff but you know there's no way in hell I would want to stand up in front of 400 people and, and give a keynote or a speech yeah. You know, it's just not my thing at all. But doing this is fine, you know. Yeah. I have no problem with it at all. And there's a lot of people like me who have got a lot of industry background, a lot of experience who can bring something positive, you know, um, who have now got the opportunity to actually do things. Yeah. I think I think part of what you guys are doing has enabled that as well. Well, l- l- last time we caught up with you, Kevin, would have been the thing over at NTU. Yeah, it? well, that's that's a classic example of yeah. it. Yeah. There's no way that would have happened a couple of years ago, you know. Um, I mean, that, that was that, that was fantastic. I mean, well, there was about sort of twenty odd designers on there, wasn't there? Mm, there's quite a few. Yeah, yeah. We had to have a couple. We had to have a, a few sessions. Yeah, and yeah. you know, like, you've got Matt Sinclair on in a couple of weeks, I think, haven't you? And and I've been I've been sort of helping out, you know, Loughborough. As a mentor for the final year students with Russell, um, I, you know, last year, and um, that was that was a really positive experience for me. I mean, mm. I was kind of gobsmacked at how good some of these people were. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, uh, and I would say that it was quite interesting though, because Russell's quite a well-known sort of designer, and he's very big on social media. And he does all this stuff, and he's you know he's he's got the the more sort of standard career, if you like, in terms of age. Didn't you tell me that like it was a calendar thing and his calendar was getting booked out a lot yeah, earlier than yours? It's quite so. funny because the first day it was on, you know, it was it was like a calendar thing and like, Russell's name was your my name was your and his was full for like <laughs> the whole time. I had like one person on there. I'm thinking, oh, come on, you know, not that bad. And of course, uh, um, the person came on and it was, uh, I can't remember her name now, 
but you know, I tried to help her out, and, and I think she, I think she might have mentioned me to somebody else. So the following week, there was like two on there or something, and then, and then after that, it kind of grew. But it was funny because I mean, probably about um, what was interesting to me, at least, was the probably eighty percent of the people who I saw were female. You know, and whereas I don't know what it was for Russell, but certainly more males on Russell's side. Now, I, I I don't know whether that's because they were the guys were looking for help from what he could offer. And, and I was a kind of a, an unknown entity to some extent. But uh, I think that that, that, that I, I, he tried to help people out. I mean, I think I think sometimes I come across on some social medias as a bit harsh. And I think that probably scares people off. Certainly on Twitter, I'm kind of a little bit scathing on certain things. But you're not a troll, are you, Kevin? No, not a troll. <laughs> uh, Isn't that the whole I've, point of Twitter, though? I've, I've got a few. I, I have, I have got a few rules. As one is that you don't, I don't, I don't ever criticise anybody else's design work because you don't know what the background was. You don't, you don't know what the brief. Yeah. You don't know yeah. what the brief you don't know was. The brief yeah. was. You don't know anything like that. You know, yeah. I might, I might criticise the occasional massive company's design work. And it's just a total you know, non-entity, but most people's stuff is you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, so you can't you can't criticize it. Uh, and people who do do that, I think they're they're not really helping themselves out, you know. Um no doubt somebody will troll back through my entire <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just got like hundreds of designers going on quicklydesign.com and just like you can't possibly have as I say you can't possibly have a view of like of that whole yeah. project from an end result. You, you know, you, so yeah, yeah, it's it, it's difficult. I mean, you could criticize, I don't know, like BMW or something for being a bit, what, what, whatever you think. I won't even go into that because yeah. I, I just picked that off, yeah, off the top of my head. But yeah, if you were to call out someone by name, I mean, that's assholery. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't do that. And also, I I I don't criticize individuals, you know, who are in the industry or things like that because not not in public anyway. You know, I've done it in private. You know, everybody does that, uh, but they're not in public because I, I know I know a lot of these people. You know, I know what they're like. I've heard all the I've heard all the stories. I know where the bodies are buried. You know, you know, and and, and, and I've been I think told that's exactly these what you said to me about about something. yeah yeah, well, yeah exactly. But I mean, I, I mean, I've got some stories that would that would curdle your blood. To be quite honest with you, some people, but. Uh, you know, which is why I'm always very careful not to it's tell it. Family, it's a family show, Kevin. Yeah, exactly, a family yeah. show. Yeah, ultimately, it doesn't do you any any favors. Does it doesn't. It? Doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't solve anything. Doesn't. A lot of the but time. I mean, I mean, coming back to the whole thing again, I think that maybe uh, that that whole people have got a wrong impression about what I am or what we are as a business, and they don't necessarily understand where I'm coming from. And my background is very different from a uh, mainstream, I suppose, uh, in the sense that we are we are much more focused on the small businesses, and we're much more fo- focused on individuals and trying to help people out that way. Uh, and I mean, to be honest, we turned down. It was quite interesting because you you did a show with Nick Chubb a, f- uh, a while back, and they were talking about something like 90 percent of the stuff that they do actually gets into production. Mm. Well, that's not the case with us. Nowhere near it. I mean, probably we'd be lucky to hit thirty percent, mm. but that's just the nature of some of the jobs that we get involved with, mm. uh, because there's so much education involved with the SME sector, and part of that education is 
funding. And when the funding runs out, there's nothing you can do about that. That's, yeah. like, that's like the hard line in the sand, you know? It's, it's yeah. funny how I was, I, was, I was literally on a conversation with a chap yesterday for a bit of recruitment, and he was working for one of the bigger agencies, but he's almost saying a similar thing to you there in the sense of because it's a big agency, it's not a case of there's an active effort in going out to win the work or whatever. So it's like turned up for work. Oh, we've got a project on. We need you to to, to work on it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, and you've been there four or five years, but it's not a lot you can show me in terms of what you've actually done. He's like, yeah, well, kind of got a bit of a bad bad luck. A few projects came in, got to X point. They, they, the, the big corporates canned it. And so even at the other end of the spectrum, and even uh, designers like nowhere near 90% of my stuff's going to production because I've never actually had the opportunity because the bigger corporates just keep canning things. Yeah, but have you got the one in the middle being the in-house and that's when yeah. you're on one project that's right. for mm. a number of years. Um, yeah. That's your that's your whole thing. You know, it isn't just turn up an hour on this one. It's, you know, for the next two years, you're going to be on this project. And mm. yeah. if the company launches it, and, you know, in fairness, any number of things can change. Quite often a CEO can change and go, right, everything's on Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> That's normally when they call me, yeah. Oh, God. God. The best one. Again. Yeah. Um, the, best, yeah. the best ones ever happened to us were um, we were doing a, a project for a company in the West Midlands who were supplying uh, ProDrive, who do all the, you know, the motorsport stuff. and. Mm-hmm. It, they do all the merchandising and things for uh, Formula One uh, and the Formula One teams. Um, and we had a, a major project, which was which which was all which was which was for uh, McLaren's merchandising. You know, so we did all these sort of showcases and you know branding boards and all sorts of things. It was a great project. You know, really was. It went on for months and. Uh, we were just about to push the button on it. You know, they had things which were going to go into airports and all over the place, you know, big shops everywhere and, let, you know, an actual shop layout and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they got fined 170... Well, no, the, the, the first thing was all the branding was, was based around this new driver that they had, which nobody had ever heard of, a guy called Lewis Hamilton at the time. And nobody knew who he was. He was just some, some kid, you know. And so I'm thinking, well, I've never heard of this guy. So, <laughs> of course, as, as the project went on, he began winning races and things, and it, it was a bit like that. And then, of course, they got fined $170 million or something by for copying something from Ferrari or allegedly. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And the project got canned just like that overnight, mm-hmm. budget withdrawn a lot. So all that work went to nothing. Mm-hmm. And But probably the best one of all, though I have to say, was the... The Asian Games Torch project. Now, the Asian Games is a. Um, have I told you this one, Brad? No, go on. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm just thinking of the email subjects coming through. New client. We need a torch. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this was a really. This was a really funny one because in the we used to share an office with a guy called Craig Hebdick. She was a, you know, he was a really good graphic designer and he'd moved up to Sheffield and he was living up there. And uh, um, he was actually working freelance for an agency up in Wakefield. And uh, he'd actually come up with some concepts for this torch for the Asian Games. Now, how they got that contract is a bit of a long convoluted story. I'm not, I'm not going to go into it, but um, he, 
they'd actually shown this stuff to the, the Asian Games Committee in Turkmenistan. That's where it was, yeah. Uh, and I'd never even heard of the Asian Games, right? <laughs> And it's then, a lot of Commonwealth Games, is it a bit like that? Yeah, it's yeah. it's a bit like that, but it's it's second only to the Olympic Games in terms of athlete participation. Okay, and so it's 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 actually like an it's a, it's a, it's an Olympic sort of uh, thing, you mm. know? but it's basically you know the Asian countries just do this their sort of sports. So there's a lot of martial arts in it, and you know equestrian stuff and things like that. So anyway, they the um, we were asked to do this torch. And uh, or rather, the agency was asked to do concepts of this torch as part of the branding for it, and they they loved it. You know the ideas, and of course, they said, "Can we see a prototype of it?" You know, we want to see some working prototypes. And of course, it, 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 Craig was a graphic designer; he didn't have a clue what to do. So he phoned me up and said, "Help!" You know, what can <laughs> I, you know, so I went up there and looked at this, and I thought, "Oh my god, this is a nightmare! This thing it's, it's like a really intricate design and all the rest of it." So. We we basically dropped everything else we were doing, and we worked on this thing for about two or three weeks, uh, and we produced a physical sort of prototype of it, and um, we you know we got it out to Istanbul, which is where the meeting was. Uh, I didn't go, but you know it was it was uh, <laughs> the torch went, and uh, um, all sorts of things happened, and we, we thought this is going to be a nice little. So we got it all costed up for production. I had I had a manufacturer in the UK already to go on it. You know the guys who did the the uh, the uh, the UK torch, they were going to do the flame element of it, and I had somebody else doing the you know the actual form, which was much more complex than the UK one. This was going to be our big. You know, big project that yeah. we're world famous for. <laughs> and then next thing we know, the 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 dictator of Turkmenistan, who was a bit of a despot, you know, um, he decided he was going to do his own one. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was it. End end of project, you know. Yeah. So he's like, oh great, you know, just like that. You know? <laughs> so but I don't I don't have any qualms about showing that project to people, you know. Yeah. It's a nice project, you know. Yeah, these these things don't happen as much in, in the job that I do. But I do remember a guy once. Um, I won't name him, but we, uh, he was offered a job over in Hong Kong. It was for a manufacturing place, partner type stuff, and um, it was all going all right actually, quite swimmingly well. And then he didn't he didn't take the job in the end, and it was because that the company didn't want to relocate his cat to Hong Kong. <laughs> and I remember just going back to my boss at the time, going, "That thing we've got in for next month." Yeah, he ain't going because they're not relocating his little his little kitten or something. Uh, it's just he just got he thought you know just as a matter of principle he was like no way I might you know what happens if I get out there and you know, they don't want to buy it. He, he was actually a Dyson guy actually funny enough and um, yeah that was a weird one. Um, I've had other ones in the past as well where like um, they've been offered jobs and then when someone sends in their um is it your p60 when you send through and it shows your salary or whatever for the calendar year is it the 60 yeah, or? yeah i think so yeah and so it's, um they've gone for a process and say, oh i've had 80 grand last year and then to prove it you've seen giving me a p60 and then they've go hold on you only earned 50 so you've so we would have offered you the job at, at that but because you've lied to us yeah, we ain't offering it to you anymore. So I had that one once, where it's like, oh, that person we got started next month. Yeah, he's lied about his salary. We've said his P sixty, so that one's canned as well. It's amazing how people think they can. Uh, yeah, you get can away with it. Kid on people. I mean, no. 
you know, everything's open now. It's so yeah. easy to say. I mean, when when I mean, like we've had we get like a lot of applications for jobs or or people looking for internships and things like that, and you know, which was another subject, which you know, maybe another paid time. paid ones, Kevin. Oh, don't get me paid one, paid ones. Yeah, uh, I mean, we do pay. You know, we pay. Uh, but I know plenty of people in the industry don't, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous if a little titchy business like ours can pay, and these big so-called, you know, internationally famous, you know, highly rated top of the industry guys can't or won't. Uh, but that's another. <laughs> shall no doubt if you need on. to, if you need to unload at any point, you know, over the next couple of months, just say I need to come on, I need to talk, and then we'll just give you an hour just to rant about you know everything. And then... I could keep going all day on some things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, I think I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of that goes on. So uh, you know, I, I think the there's so much um, nonsense in the industry. You know, there really is. Yeah. But thankfully, there's design truth. So, <laughs> well, Kevin, look, I, I've had a pleasure. Um, it's been great yeah, speaking to you for the last great. for the last hour. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Which is I the, did indeed, yeah. Which is the main thing, and um, you can now say that you've actually been on the podcast rather than just uh, being a loyal listener, um, which is we I do genuinely really I, appreciate. I've got to listen to myself now, though, isn't it? Oh, it's the worst no, part. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I, I do it. I no. can't. I, <laughs> just don't do it. I can't wait until there's <laughs> enough money in the bank where I can just go on Fiverr and get someone to order it for me. That's going to be a great day, so I don't have to listen to myself back. Um, yeah, but, Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Design Truth. Um, if you ever do want to come on and join us, track us down on the socials or send a message through to hello at designtruth.co.uk. This episode was kindly sponsored by Geomic. And if you want to know more about those guys, the relevant links are always going to be in the description. See you next time, and I think I'll leave you with some uh, with some funky music. <laughs> <laughs>